0: We are so glad y'all are here to uh to join us in worship as we as we celebrate our King and our God as we look to him and as we worship him. So let's stand as we open with some music.
1: You're worthy of worship. You're worthy of praise. You're worthy of honor, you're worthy of thanks, you're worthy of worship, you're worthy of praise, you're worthy of honor, you're worthy Jesus Christ crucified, let and died to save our lives. Giver of boundless love, faithful one, to you we rise. Every knee will bow, every tongue will shout, Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is the Lord, every eye will see, the coming of the King, Jesus is the Lord, Jesus is the Lord.
2: I hope you are doing well this morning. I uh, would like to welcome you here this morning. If you're a visitor visiting with us at Faith Family Fellowship, I'd extend a welcome to you and invite you to fill out a card that should be in the pew right in front of you. we uh, would greatly appreciate if you would take one of those, share some information with us drop that in the offering basket on your way out this morning. Give us an opportunity to reach out to you, pray for you, see if there's anything we can do for you. Would greatly appreciate that uh, if you would this morning. So we are gathered around the King, the King, the Lord. And so we've been memorizing scripture and right before the, ver- the verse in Isaiah that we're going to memorize, Isaiah sees God and sees The the angels who in his presence are saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. God is holy, set apart, and all that he has made is his. And it exalts him, glorifies him. So does my prayer this morning that as we gather around what he has inspired and written and hear from him, that you would see his glory. You would know the glory of God and that he would be as he is right in front of you, the Lord who is holy and who is the king over all. So welcome, welcome as we're joining around and to hear from this great God. So a few announcements, a few things going on. I want to make you aware of a, uh, we're going to have in August uh, the 7th, a fish fry and uh, fellowship time uh, centered around greasy fish. And, uh, and it's going to be a great, great fun time right before school starts, and just want to encourage you to mark that down. Uh, we'll be uh, here in August gathering around uh, some, some food and fellowship and want you to, to be aware of it. Also, at the end of this month, uh, as we've been talking about a backpack uh, school drive to provide uh, school supplies for foster children in, in our area in Baldwin County, uh, that that is in the back, and I believe they've all been, been taken. There are a few gift cards, uh, sl- slips that are still needing to be filled, but overall, all of the specific needs have been taken, I believe. Is that right? Or is, or is they, have they all been taken? They've all been taken. Okay, so awesome job, by the way, uh, in, in one Sunday, uh, taking those and covering those, and just want to encourage you to continue to pray for those. And if you have one, the 24th is the Sunday to bring those, uh, those gifts back. And uh, then the following Saturday, the 30th, we will have a time to distribute those, to give those out, those backpacks and those supplies. And I want to encourage you to see it as a ministry opportunity, uh, to take some time that morning to come be present, just to be able to meet people, to be able to talk to folks and meet those families coming in, uh, just to be able to uh, get to know them, pray for them and and, use, and see it as an opportunity for ministry rather than just providing items, but to be able to try to help and nurture and, and come alongside people. So would uh, encourage you there for, for that Saturday coming up? Also? Um, well, that's it. We'll, we'll leave it at those two things. And so we've been, as I mentioned, we've been memorizing Scripture when Isaiah six verse 5, and so let's let's recite it, let's read it uh, real quick, let's do it once out loud, so if you would follow with me, and let's let's read this scripture. And I said, woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts, Isaiah 6, 5. So he sees God, and he is brought brought to his knees before the holy God of the universe and who he is and who he is with. This is an almost, this is a universal response to God. The glory and the greatness of God brings us to a place of humility, a place of recognition that we are mere creations, and we are creations that have sinned and that stand before God in that, and that the, the end of after this verse, God cleanses Isaiah. God cleanses with a coal from the altar, the altar that the blood of the Lamb, that Christ came and was laid upon in payment of sin. Christ purifies his people by his sacrifice in the place of his people that we can be forgiven. Even though we are people of unclean lips, we stand before God unclean. He, by his grace, cleanses in Christ. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for Christ. I thank you that, Lord, I deserve nothing. I deserve nothing good but the judgment due my sin, and yet you have pardoned in Christ. You have taken my guilt upon yourself, laid it upon the innocence of christ and that his reward has become mine because of your grace because of your love because of your goodness and father i thank you i thank you that in christ we can be forgiven healed restored and that by by your grace have promise lord that we have an inheritance in heaven that we have become incorporated, become part of your family as we are in Christ. And so, Father, I ask that, Lord, this morning that you, Lord, would draw us before you. We would see you glorious and lifted up, and that you would be the praise on our lips. You, Lord, would be, Lord, the the focus of our gaze, that, Lord, you would be glorified and exalted because you are worthy and you are the Lord. We thank you and ask these things. In the name of your Son, Jesus, amen.
0: Amen. Let's stand as we continue to worship.
1: I cast my mind to Calvary, where Jesus bled. I see His wounds, His hands, His feet, and My Savior on that cursed tree. And his body bound and drenched in tears, they laid Him down.
0: praise his name, because he is alive, we can say that it is well with our souls. Whatever circumstance we're in, whatever we're going through, whatever our lot, we can say it is well.
1: in peace like a river attendeth my way and when sorrows like sea In my sin, not in part.
0: done, not because of what I have here on this earth, but because of what he has done. As it said in that second verse, my sin is nailed to the cross, not part of it, but all of it, and I bear it no more. So whatever trial we're going through, whatever struggle we're facing here on earth, we can sing it as well with our soul because we know that we have a Father who loves us, who sent His Son to die with us. And one day we'll be with Him in eternity. So let's just sing that chorus together, just the verses, just the voices.
1: It is well.
0: As well God thank you thank you that you sent your son to die for our sins Lord that we might be called children God that you adopt us into your family when we are so undeserving when we have nothing to bring to the table God you choose us anyway so father thank you Lord, help us to look to you in every circumstance, in times of prosperity, and God, in times of difficulty, that we can give glory to you, that we can thank you for what we have. God, knowing that we have forgiveness of sins, and that's all that we need. We have you, and that is all that we need. You are the bread of life. You are the living water. So Lord, thank you. God, help us today to glorify you. God, to look to you to learn and to grow in our knowledge, but more importantly, to grow in our love for you, that we can leave this building and we can show your love to those around us better, that we can be your church. Father, we love you and we praise you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated.
3: Good morning, church. Um, Just wanted to kind of first start by reiterating a little bit of what I spoke to last week. I know last week was a holiday, so not everybody got to uh, to hear our uh, our update, so I just wanted to, to give it to you again. Uh, the pastor search is going well, and uh, as a committee, we are definitely seeing the Lord work and have been greatly, greatly encouraged. Um, we're confident that God will be uh, making his will and direction clear to us in the, in the next few weeks. And through all of this, we um, have said that it's not a decision for us to make, thankfully, um, but rather it's, it's just God's will for him to reveal to us. And so we are trusting in that. Uh, and with that in mind, we have decided to kind of wait a little bit in terms of pursuing a, a named interim at this time, as we wait to see what God is showing us, basically just taking a few steps at a time and, uh, in the direction that he's told us to go and then getting there and, and looking for him again. And so, uh, we have the next few weeks mapped out as to who will be, um, in the pulpit uh, for us, and we'll be sharing with that with you this week as, and as we go forward. Um, so again, this is not a time to be anxious. Um, this is uh, not a time to be hesitant, but rather a time to be excited a time to be active. Um, we need to be putting our trust in the Lord and looking for Him to pour out His love and kindness on us during this time. Um, read it many times before, uh, almost every time I've gotten up here, I'm going to read it again, Lamentations 3, 22 through 26, I was actually reminded of it by Matthew this morning, so thank you, brother. Um, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning, great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. So it's my honor to get to introduce to you this morning Dr. Mark II. Uh, Dr. Two has spent over 40 years, 35 in the ministry, uh, serving as pastor and then also transitioning to Christian academics, both as a professor and in administration serving at Howard Payne University, Southwest Baptist University, University, and several different stops in uh, positions at Judson College. And at virtually every stop, he has still served as a guest speaker, as interim or as bivocational pastor in churches throughout the Southeast. He's the father of Elise Weeks, who's been a member here for a while, and he's going to be with us this week and next week. So um, if you will welcome Dr. Two this morning.
4: Family Fellowship, it is good to be with you today uh, as we come together to worship God and on a great occasion of the, um, uh, of the Lord's Supper as well. I have had the opportunity of being in a number of, of churches when they are in a very unique period of their history, uh, when you are seeking God's leadership for your next pastor. Uh, and, and those are exciting times if you will allow them to be that. They can be nervous, I get it. Uh, you can have a little, uh, be a bit unsettled. But um, by and large, you, um, it, it can be a very exciting time for you. Uh, the, um, uh, let, let me just let you in on something. I think probably your your search committee has already said this to you. The choice has already been made. If we believe God is holy, and we do, if we believe God is sovereign, and we do, God's already made this choice for you. (laughs) So the pressure's off, all right? Uh, Your job isn't to um, find a pastor. Your job at this time is to be so in tune and sensitive to the leadership of the Holy Spirit that God can reveal to you what he has planned for you. And that, that takes the burden off. That lifts the burden for you. And, and you can pray about that individual. That was one of the things I thought about speaking on today from, from the scripture. Um, about the characteristics of, of a pastor who will come into a church like this. And lead it into its next uh, uh, area of ministry. Next phase of ministry. Uh, was one of the ideas I had. The other was to talk about you, the church. And what some of your um, opportunities are. And we'll look to those for another time because this is too good of an opportunity when we have the Lord's Supper to not seize that moment and and speak specifically to that point today uh, from from Scripture. So I'd like you to find in your Bibles 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Uh, As you do, I need you to also... Uh, if you've got a ribbon in your Bible, if you've got a, um, you know, a notepad you scratch on or something, have it ready because I'm going to want you to look at a couple of other passages of scripture today um, as we consider God's word. First um, Corinthians chapter 11. Let's pray one more time together before we read God's word. Uh, gracious Father, um, <laughs> how humbling it is to stand before your people and to attempt to say, thus saith the Lord. It's not in my ability. It's not in my power. But gracious God, it is within your ability and power to speak to your people. So I pray that you will use an imperfect vessel today and proclaim your perfect word as we consider your direction for us uh, in these current, current days. Bless the reading of your word. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know what your tradition is, um, and so forgive me if I don't do something I'm supposed to do or do something I'm not supposed to do, but in honor of God's word, let's stand together if you're able, um, if you're physically able to stand. Let's stand together as we read uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 23 through 32. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had been given thanks, he broke the bread and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a man examine himself and and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment upon himself. And a hard verse, this is why many of you are weak and ill, and not a few even have died. But if we judge ourselves truly, we shall not be judged, but when we are judged by the Lord, we are chastened, disciplined, so that we may not be condemned along with the Word, along with the world. May God add His blessing to the reading of His word. Thank you, please be seated. I think it's uh, very ironic when we come to the Lord's table uh, that we recognize uh, the fracture in so many churches, the wide disparity of practices and understandings about what the Lord's Supper is, uh, how it's to be administered, how often it is to take place. You know, should, should the Lord's Supper be by um, intention that's not a word or a practice many of us in Baptists are familiar with. You, 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 you take the bread and you dip it into the cup and and you you uh, participate in the body and the blood in one swallow. I guess I'm sorry, um, y'all just have to forgive me. Um, I'm a bit plain. Uh, and uh, so, so, should it be by intention? Should it be delivered to you where you where you sit? Um, is it something that is? Um, uh, does it have efficacy? Is there is there a saving activity that takes place? Is it sacrificial every time we we adhere the the uh, the, the the Lord's Supper? Does is Christ sacrificed again on on our behalf uh, Is it sacrodotal? That, that's another practice we don't have in Baptists. I, I was the interim pastor. One of my one of the exciting times was um, Union Presbyterian Church in. Um, Brownwood, Texas. Thank you, dear. Um, She has to stay close and even closer now, because I'm sorry, my new glasses, I can't see the back row. We've got to start over on them. Uh, Yeah, these are the new ones. I'm sorry. I'll need them in a minute to read. Uh, The um, uh, Brownwood, Texas. Uh, The Union Presbyterian Church in, in, uh, in Brownwood, Texas, there was a a PCUSA church uh, that uh, its building burned. They had a pastor and no building. The PCA church had a building and no pastor. (laughs) And so out of this uh, opportunity of circumstances, they merged those two congregations and became the Union Presbyterian Church. Um, And it was my honor to be their interim pastor for a short period of time, except, except on the day that was prescribed for the Lord's Supper. Then they had to go to the, uh, to the Synod and find a, a certified minister <laughs> uh, to come and present the Lord's Supper as a sacrodotal because I wasn't a Presbyterian. You know, we, we argue about these, these kinds of things. Is it open communion? Is it closed communion? Do we, take, uh, do, we, do, do we use alcohol? Do we not use alcohol? Do we come to the front? Uh, the only time, uh, here's true confession, um, wine-bibbing preacher here, uh, the only time I've had alcohol at a Lord's Supper was the one time my grandfather administered the Lord's Supper to me. As a young Christian, he was a, I was a young Christian. He was a uh, retired Methodist minister at Grove Hill. Boy, that's a blast from the past. Y'all know where Grove Hill is? Anybody? Uh, Grove Hill Methodist Church. It was one of four little churches he served in a circuit. <laughs> and I came down to the front, to the altar rail, and there he, with others, presented the Lord's Supper. He grew, he grew muscadines in his backyard to make muscadine wine to use for communion. <laughs> Only time I've ever consumed alcohol in um, Lord's Supper. So we have all these different things and, and the irony of it the irony of it is two, twofold. One, the Lord's Supper is intended to unite us. The Lord's Supper is intended to take the church of Jesus Christ and bring it to a common event with which we all have such a fervent passion that nothing else matters to us from that point forward. <laughs> it is so engaging and inviting and, and infuses us with the same energy that we have unity of purpose. And, and so it's ironic that a, an event that was designed to bring unity brings so much disparity. And and the other reason it was ironic is that what's happening today, this disunity today was precisely what was happening in Corinth um, in Paul's day, verses 17 through 22, uh, you know, Paul goes to this thing about you've got parties and you've got factions and, and some show up to the supper early and some show up to the supper late. If I can put it in common terms, you've got a blue collar in your church and you've got a white collar in your church and the executives can control their own schedule and they get off early and they come and hey, have a big feast and by the time the laborers get there, there's nothing left. You're using what should take you and unite you together. And you're using it to separate yourselves. And so what is it what we're supposed to understand uh, about, about the Lord's Supper? How are we supposed to take this event and understand its meaning and use it for the unifying purpose? Well, let's look at this verses, these verses again. I think we've got, I'm so unaccustomed to, um, where is it? I can see it up there, but y'all can't see what's behind your head. Oh, there it is. Um, I'm so unaccustomed to that, so I'm probably going to be talking about the wrong thing at the right time and vice versa. Um, So um, bear with me. Look at verses 23 through 25. Look at them again and, and realize that what we're to do with the Lord's Supper First thing we're to do is to look back when we come to the Lord's table. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. On the night that I was betrayed, night that he was betrayed, he gave thanks, he broke the bread. This is my body broken for you. Now some of your texts read that way. I'm going to try to correct that just a little bit. Jesus' body was never broken. The bread is broken. But his body was whole, it was, his bones were not crushed, his side was pierced for your transgressions, he hung on that cross, his body was never broken, his body was given for you. This is my body that was given for you, do this in remembrance of me, look back and remember what I did. And as if that wasn't enough, this cup is the new covenant, you've had an old covenant, you've had an old law, you've had an old testament, but we're going to do something brand new now. We're going to do something that excites everybody and unites everybody. No more of this division between Gentile and Jew. No more of this division between, between where you are and what tribe. We're, we're going to do something now that is exciting and brings us all together. But you've got to remember what it's about. Look back. There's a new covenant. It's my blood that was shed for you. Do this. Remember this every time you participate. And God tells us to look back to that sacrifice that Jesus made. To look back and understand that where we are in our identity with Christ is based precisely upon what Jesus did. Look back and connect it to its original context of the Passover. All right, you know this story. I don't have to go through the whole deal for you. But, but Jesus, this holy week, was at the Passover. Luke 22 tells us that where are we going to have the Passover? The disciples were always worried about the details. <laughs> Jesus kept trying to get them to see, hey, look, guys, new, new, new day, big picture. You know, quit worrying about the little stuff. But they said, go into the town. You'll see a man walking with a water jar. Say to him, where am I to take the, sac- the, um, the, the Passover? Thank you very much. Y'all were telepathy to me, uh, where am I to take the Passover and follow him and everything will be made ready? And so the Lord's Supper, when it was initiated, with Jesus was the practice for them of the Passover. And you understand that, that Jesus gave his blood as our, gave his body and gave his blood as our Passover lamb. Paul's even gonna say that back in 1 Corinthians chapter five, verse seven, I think, that he says, Jesus is our Paschal lamb. He's going to say those things to us. Jesus' body, Jesus' blood was an active engagement of the Passover meal. And you remember the context. Now, here's your first challenge. Put your ribbon, put your piece of paper there in in, uh, 1 Corinthians and go with me to Exodus chapter 12. Find Exodus chapter 12 real quickly. You can find that. I've already told you. I've got new glasses, so I may need to help you. I mean, you may need to help me read a little bit here in uh, Acts Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12, verse 21. Um, we we uh, th- this is after seven days of unleavened bread, where they took all the leaven out of the house. They had they, they ate nothing but unleavened bread all week, and then they came together for a feast for the Passover feast, where they sacrificed the lamb. So let's see what happens here. <laughs> And Moses said, Moses called the elders of Israel and said to them, Select lambs for yourself according to your families and kill the Passover lamb. Uh, Take a a bunch of hyssop and dip it in blood, which is in the basin, and touch the lentils of the two doorposts. Now, now you remember where, where this is going. This is the tenth of the plagues that God brought upon Egypt. There were the frogs and there were the gnats and there were the flies and there were the locusts and there, you know all that. And this is the last one. This is the death angel. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood, which is in the basin, and touch the lentil and the doorposts with the blood, which is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of the house until the morning. For when the Lord will pass through, to slay the Egyptians, and he sees your great church attendance, he will pass over the door. My glass is bad. Y'all are snickering. Did I do something wrong? Oh, I see it. I see it. For the Lord will pass through to slay the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood on the, the when he sees the uh, good intentions of your hearts, that it. The Lord will pass through to slay the Egyptians. And when he sees how much money you gave in the plate, y'all knew I had to get there. What's wrong with this? When the Lord passes over and sees what? The blood. When he sees the blood, he'll pass over. When he sees the blood, he'll pass over. And we've got to look back to understand exactly what jesus did i want to give you a little test uh, i uh in education a long time and i always learned you stop and you reiterate and you test people um it's funny um every time i gave a test that was supposed to separate the men from the boy the the the, uh, the men from the boys you've heard that expression separate the men from the boys every time i've given a test to separate the men from the boys uh the women turned out to be the men Okay, so, so guys, you, you know, step up. It's your time, all right? I'm going to give you a question. This is an old revivalism kind of test. Uh, most of our Baptist churches have great heritage and roots in the uh, religion on the frontier and the brush arbor revivals, and those are, that's kind of in our DNA. So I'm going to prove that point today. I'm going to say a phrase, and you're going to respond. <clears throat> Okay, actually respond, yes, I want you to say something in church. Okay? Uh, so you've got to respond with the right words in like manner. You ready? Everybody ready? What can wash away my sin? What can make me whole again? You know it. Let's all sing it together. Oh, precious is that flow That makes me white as snow the blood of Jesus. Oh, that's amazing. Somebody needs to be saying hallelujah right now. <laughs> if, you, if you think that sounded good, if you think y'all did a good job with that and you did, you did a great job with that. Uh, I want everybody to raise their hands who thinks they did a great job. Raise your hands. If you think you did a raise your hands if you think you did a great job with that, and all need to be in the choir next week. OK so everybody, we're going to show up here in the choir next Sunday morning, which means you've got to recruit two people for every one of you to be out here, OK? All right? You invite everybody else. you each one of you bring two people to sit out here and y'all can sit up here. OK? Oh, precious is the flow. <laughs> that makes me wide slow. Nothing, nothing else. Your good works, your good intentions, your aspirations, what you know. None of it matters without the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And we've got to look back, church of God, we've got to look back to understand exactly what it is that Jesus did for us to find our common motivation about everything else that we are to do. Because he came to us and he took upon us, he took upon us our sins. He took upon us our filthiness. And he made us snow. I I, I served a a church uh, in Louisiana. And we um, had a revival. (laughs) And the the evangelist and I were doing some visiting right before church. There was a couple of young people we were working on. We needed to see them. We went up to this church, this little house, very poor house, um, to talk to this girl who was in our youth group. And the evangelist was sitting there in the front yard talking to her, and she had a little sister, (laughs) Uh, had a little sibling. Laura, does Mark ever pester you? Of course, she said. Y'all couldn't hear her. All right, so she had a little sibling, um, and uh, Mark, is sometimes it warranted? Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's warranted. All right, so she had a little sister, and the little sister was just pestering that, you know, how little sisters just do. I mean, you know, she wanted to be the center. She was one, like, five years old. She didn't know she was doing something disruptive, but she felt she just had to do that. And so I just got her off to myself and started walking her, talking to her so that they could have that serious conversation. And um, when she found out she had my attention, buddy, she was in hog heaven. She took me around. She showed me this, told me her swing, told me her whole story, took me to the back of their little house where their menagerie of farm animals was. There were some chickens there. There was a goose there. Uh, there was a yearling in a catch pen. Uh, there was a pig uh, over in a pig's And <laughs> I'm not kidding, y'all. There was, 50, there was a 50-gallon barrel. Y'all know well, how big a 50-gallon barrel is. You know what a 50-gallon barrel is. There was a 50-gallon barrel... Of pig slop. Now there was only one pig. I don't know if they were expecting, uh, you know, multiple live births or what, but you know, there were fifty gallons of pig slop. Now some of y'all don't know what that is. It's nasty okay, it's all the old food, it's got the spoiled milk in it, it's got rainwater in it, it just sits there, I don't know why we did that practice, but nonetheless, it had 50 gallons of pig slop, of the nastiest, stinkiest smelling stuff you can imagine, okay, but to make matters worse, buried up to its neck in that pig slop was a live rooster. He was alive. I could tell that because he kept turning his head. You know, the chicken doesn't have a smooth gear. You know, have you ever noticed that? It jerks. I don't know why. And he even jerked it up and looked at me from one side. You know, their eyes kind of go. And he looked up and they like, is there anything you can do for me? We were on the way to church. I was dressed. I couldn't help that chicken. I, mean, I guess I could have grabbed him by his neck and pulled him out. You know, he might not have been better off, but... Uh, uh, but I just couldn't, you know, poor old chicken, poor old rooster. I looked around and I found a 2 before. 4 I thought, you know, I can push that 2 before 4 down in that bucket, barrel. And I can use the rim of the bucket, you know, simple tools. I can use it like a, 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 a the, the fulcrum of a levee. And I can just, without getting dirty at all, I, I can just push down on this lever and the board will come up and it will grab the rooster and he'll pick the rooster up, you know, get him out of that slop, you know, where he was surely to die eventually. Just kind of imagine what his feet were doing the whole time in that pig slop. Well, it started working. I did it. Some of y'all already know what's about to happen. The minute, the nanosecond that bird thought he could fly, he started flailing that pig slop with all his might. He started, fly, he started flying with everything he could and just whap, 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 all over the top of that pig slop and just drenched me head to toe in that nastiness. I had on my best maroon Swiss dot tie. I've never had a prettier one yet. I'm still looking for one to replace it. Ruined. When we come to the Lord's table, we've got to look back and realize that's exactly what Jesus Christ did for us. He didn't come to the top of Mount Everest and say, if you can get up here, I'll bless you. He didn't come down to earth and say, now if you can clean yourself up a little bit, I'll bless you. He didn't say, if you can get good enough for me, Jesus Christ reached down at the slop of my life and picked me up with all of my nastiness and it got all over him. And he said, I'll gladly bear your sins and your sorrows. I'll take them to the cross. If you were the only one, Mark, if you were the only one here that left that needed my salvation, I would die for you. And I took on myself all of your wickedness, all of your sin, all of your depravity, all, all of the things that make you un. Worthy to be with me, i 'll take them on myself. Oh Church of Jesus Christ, we've got to look back and see what God did. See what Jesus did. We've got to look inward, and I've got to tell you this is a tough part of this text. You just have to preach the text, okay? In for penny, in for pound. And I'll admit to you, I'll admit to you something. Here's confessional preaching. Today is the first time I've preached 1130. I've always ignored it. Being, I'm being honest with you. Whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup, we've got to look within, verse 27 through 32. Whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in a unworthy manner, Will be guilty of profaning the Lord's body. Let a man examine himself and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. for anyone who eats and drinks without discernment, discerning the body eats and drinks judgment upon himself. That is why that is why many of you are weak and ill and some have even died. Now the grammar doesn't help us out a lot with that verse this 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 little phrase that says um, why why many of you it means n- not a few of you <laughs> it, it really means a sufficient number. How many would it have to take to prove this point? It, it, it could have been one person i don't know, but Paul knew of a specific situation where a Christian in the church of Corinth was defiling the body of Christ, by the way he or she was living their lives and professing to be a child of God. And God took them off this planet. I'm not trying to scare you today. I'm not trying to be dramatic today. But I am saying to you that we've got to look within to understand if we're doing the things God wants us to do. There's a great quote from Oswald Chambers. Some of y'all read Oswald Chambers, My Utmost for His Highest. It says, we can't do what God does. We can't, when we look back and see the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made on our behalf. we can't do that. I can't uh, affect my own salvation. I can't change my identity. Only Jesus can. Okay? We can't do what God does. And here's the rest of the quote. And God will not do what we're supposed to do. We can't affect our identity, and God won't make us behave the way we're supposed to behave. But Paul says we've got to look within and understand if there's anything in our lives that makes us impure. He says if we, if we take the Lord's Supper unworthily, now, now be careful here, it doesn't say if you are unworthy, Okay. The text doesn't say, if you are unworthy, because who, which one of us would be taking the Lord's Supper today? <laughs> not, nobody. Okay? I, I'm, I'm Adam's son. I have an old nature in me that, that if I don't live constantly under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, will, not may, will rear its ugly head. God has set before us blessings and cursings, we're told, in in the book of Deuteronomy. All right, you've got your ribbon there. Let's go to Deuteronomy for just a second. This won't take but a moment. You need to see this. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy. Look at Deuteronomy 29. Deuteronomy 29. Let's make it Deuteronomy 30. Deuteronomy 30, uh, verses 15 through 20, real quickly. Um, See, I have set before you this day life, uh, life and good, death and evil. He's giving them a choice. You ever make a choice? How many choices today do you make? I, I'm, I'm giving you the choice. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God with the commandment, um, which I command you this day, uh, by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his ordinances, then you shall live and multiply, and the Lord shall be a blessing. You shall be, and the, and the God will bless you in the land which you are entering to possess it. Okay? Sounds pretty good. Now, I don't want to go all the way to name it and claim it. There's too many problems with that kind of theology, and that's for another day's conversation, um, but let's just keep reading. But, verse 17. But if your heart turns away and you do not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, and what gods do you and I worship today? Little wooden ones that we hang on the dash? No, not at all. We worship materialism. We worship fame. We worship power. We worship uh, anything that's pleasurable and desirable that we decide we want becomes our God. Uh, I declare to you this day, verse 18, that you you shall perish. You shall not live long in the land which you are going over the Jordan to possess. I call on heaven and earth to, to witness against you this day that I have set before you life and death and blessings and cursings. Therefore, choose life. I mean, the Holy Scriptures begging us choose life. <laughs> when you say that, that's a little, that's a little harsh, you know. You know, are, are you are you you really want to say that? Uh, that all these bad things are going to happen to me if I'm not careful with my thoughts or if I engage in activity that's inappropriate or if I, you know, just fill in the blank. You know precisely what's wrong with you. I don't. I know what's wrong with me and you don't. You, you can go, oh, man, there's just so many good things happening today. That passage you read in Isaiah this morning, 6-5, uh, 6-5, uh, uh, six, five, six, five, six, five. Five, six? Five, six, thank you. I'm a man of unclean lips. I live in a people of unclean lips. Woe is me for I'm undone. He knew what? He knew precisely what his problem was. He didn't say, woe is me, I'm, I'm just a foul person all around. <laughs> oh, oh, woe is me, I'm, I am, uh, I'm generally an unacceptable person. Woe is me, I haven't woken up and lived. No, what did he say? I have unclean lips, he said. He knew exactly what was wrong with him. And and please hear me with this statement with all love, so do you. You know exactly what's keeping you from full and meaningful life with Jesus Christ. You know exactly what the fear is. You know exactly what the activity is. You know exactly what the thought is. It's not my job to tell you that's the Holy Spirit's job. And I pray to Jesus right now that that's exactly what's happening. Because the scripture says we've got to look within. Look within. And by about right about now, you're saying, well, give us some grace, please. <laughs> give us some grace. Give us some hope. You want grace? I've got a great grace passage for you. It's right here in Deuteronomy. Look back in 29. Look back in verse 29, chapter 29. You're already there. Uh, chapter twenty nine verse beginning in verse eighteen and nineteen we 'll just look at two verses real quickly uh, where 's eighteen start beware you see you see twenty nine eighteen beware lest there be among you a man or a woman or family or tribe whose heart turns away from the lord this day uh, our God to go and serve gods and, uh, of the nations let there that there be among you let there not be among you a root of a root bearing poison or bitterness. Look at 19. Because it, it describes this person with this bitter, poisonous root. It says, One who, when he hears the words of this sworn covenant, blesses himself, saying, I shall be safe. Though I'll walk in the stubbornness of my heart this would lead to the sweeping away of both moist and dry the little hebrew phrase that says everything is going to be wiped out to the person that hears god's word knows what god's word and says i think i'm just going to do something different anyway i said this is a grace passage because it's an abused grace passage and and I'll get back to Corinthians now, when we look within, that's really the issue we're dealing with. Are you going to abuse the grace that God has given you? When you look back, you realize the amazing gift of grace. You realize... (laughs) <laughs> my sins, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. Isn't that a great verse? That's my favorite verse of the whole hymn that we sang. But notice how he can't get through the hymn, get through the stanza, okay? He's so overwhelmed with what Jesus Christ was doing when he looked back. My sin, and he stops. <laughs> oh, the joy of this glorious thought. And then he has to start again. My sin, and he stops again. <laughs> Not in part, but the whole is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. You know that as the child of God, okay? You know that. That's what makes abusing grace so easy to do. You know your identity is fixed in Jesus Christ, and so you can say, "I, I can do that. I won't stay there long. I'll just just for a minute. I can think that thought. I'll, I'll come back." God's not going to hold that against me. Listen to me, I want to say something. You can pick your sins, we all do. You can pick your sins, but you can't pick your consequences. And every sin will be found out. Proverbs 29 1 is one of those haunting verses to me. A man who has been reproved repeatedly and yet hardens his heart, and here's the phrase, will suddenly be broken beyond repair. God will forgive you of anything you've done, folks. I don't care what it is. Adultery, murder, theft, go down the whole, (laughs) venal or mortal sins, I don't care. Uh, You know, go down the whole list. God will forgive you of those. You still have to live with the consequences. Your family has to live with those consequences. The neighbor down the street with whom you've been trying to lead to Jesus Christ will have to leave with the consequences because that person's not going to listen to you anymore. Oh, I know what you did. God, and please understand, I'm right here with you. I'm right here with you. And I've often said if we don't preach, if we don't get so close to abusing grace, then we haven't come close to understanding it. That is a true statement. It is one of those ironies of life that God has saved us and given us this new identity and yet we can abuse it. And that's what Paul is talking about here when he says, look within yourselves and understand if you are abusing the grace that Jesus Christ, that that, that cost Jesus Christ his life, if you're abusing it, you've got to come to terms with that. And so do I. We can't come to the Lord's table without looking within. And finally, we've got to look forward. Go back to verse 26 and see what it says. Verse 26, we've got to look forward. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you what? You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. (laughs) Folks, Jesus is coming back. Can I get an amen on that? Jesus is coming back. And unfortunately, we've lost our urgency about that. Because if we truly believed that tomorrow might be the last day, if you knew yesterday that tomorrow would be the last day, you would have had every lost friend you have in this sanctuary today. If we truly believed that Jesus Christ could come back tomorrow morning. We would be on the phone this afternoon calling every one of our family members, every one of our family and friends, everybody that we are not sure about whether or not they've had a relationship with Jesus Christ. They've lived their lives in such a manner that you just really don't know. We've lost our urgency. We've got to look forward because Jesus Christ is coming back. He's coming back and we have a message to tell about that. He's coming back and we have the opportunity to share the most important thing that can ever be shared. And That's the love of Jesus Christ. And that's the unification of what we're doing here today. That's what brings us all together. When we look back and see what Jesus did to sacrifice his life for my benefit, when we look within and realize I'm not worthy, but God, through your help, through your help, I can. I don't have time. We need to look at Romans chapter 6 because in Romans chapter 6, uh, uh, Paul says, you don't have to sin anymore. <laughs> and that's a, that's, a, that's a foreign concept to you and me as Baptists because we love to quote 1 John 1, 9. You know, the Christians of soap. Anybody, you know, if we ever sin, well, he is faithful and just, you know, just wipe it all off. And God will right back into our pattern of abusing grace. But Paul's going to say in Romans chapter 6, you don't have to do it anymore. You don't have to do it anymore. You can go days without sinning. You can. Not because of your power, but because the Holy Spirit lives within you. Okay? Holy Spirit, God, today's a new day. I want you to indwell me with the Holy Spirit. I want you to go ahead of me. I know I'm going to face challenges. I know I'm going to face difficulties. but, But you take charge of me today. You can go days without sinning. If you, can go, if you can go 10 minutes, you can go 20 minutes. <laughs> Reductio absurdia, that's an old Latin phrase. You know, before, before, I, before I get to that speaker over there, I've got to go halfway, okay? And before I, you know, then I've got to go another halfway. You see where I'm going? And then there's another half. <laughs> well, reduction um, absurdia means I'll never get there. All right, reverse that. If you can go 10 minutes, you can go 20 minutes. If you go 20 minutes, you can go an hour. If you keep God in front of you with the Holy Spirit leading and guiding you, not allowing yourself those, those, I'm going to say it, damnable thoughts that you and I love to cling to. All right? That unguarded moment, that's a great phrase. Take that away from here today. If you can keep away from those unguarded moments, the Holy Spirit living within you can lead you to live a perfect life, a sinless life. Why do I say that? Scripture says it. I'm sorry we don't have time to do Romans 6 today. (laughs) We look back. I'm sorry, let me get back to We look back to what Jesus did. We look within to understand where we need to correct ourselves. We need to let God correct us. He says that God will chasten you so that you're not condemned like the rest of the world. Look back, look within, but look forward and proclaim his death until he comes. We're going to administer the Lord's Supper. Matthew is going to come as we do. And after the Lord's Supper, we'll commit ourselves together in a moment of invitation.
2: Thank you, sir. So at this time, as we move into this act of worship of taking the Lord's Supper, I want to invite uh, when our men get ready, invite y'all to. Uh, Go ahead, come down. So as the Lord gathered his disciples together uh, around the table at Passover, the week of uh, his looking forward to his crucifixion, he gathers uh, these disciples and he partakes of these two pieces, uh, this blood, uh, this juice that symbolizes and pictures his blood, and then the bread, the cracker, uh, that you'll receive here in just a moment, that pictures and uh, symbolizes and is a memorial of his body that was given and sacrificed and laid down in the place of you and me. If we are in Christ, if we are a new creation, the old has gone away and the new has come, he has stood in your place. He took what you deserve and he destroyed it. He took the punishment and the sin that we have merited and paid our debt. And so we have this brilliant privilege not to participate in salvation. We don't we don't we are not a part of it, but we receive it. We come to what He has done and we receive His completed work. And so this is one As Dr. 2 has instructed and directed us to, this is a moment of sorrow, a moment of repentance, a moment of this is what it cost for my sin to be paid for. But it's also a moment of rejoicing because it's done. There is not a return to the cross. There is not another sacrifice. Jesus has paid the debt due sin for eternity. So if you're in Christ, you are new, and there is no more penance. There is no more payment. Sin is destroyed in Christ. And so we will uh, we'll read twice from Matthew, Matthew's gospel. We're going to look at uh, the, the verses as he gathers around the disciples. And he says, Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. So as we distribute uh, the bread Take and hold it, and then we will uh, we'll ask the Lord's blessing and take together, okay?